we some movies we know more about than others some we have vague details some we've had trailers we know more details uh so we'll just kind of be previewing with what we know and uh are you excited for the year uh upcoming anime you think it's gonna be a good one yeah it's interesting because um uh, not a lot of people would know this because i haven't been very uh active social media last few years but uh, the pandemic has not been very kind to uh, at least the mainstream animated films. Obviously, if, if one hunts abroad and some of the more independent stuff, you can find good stuff. But uh, I, I would say looking at the slate, it, it is starting to get better on the whole uh, than it did. I mean, uh, 2022 was already, uh, I felt, uh, some steps up from 2021, which I personally did not really like at all. And this is having at least a good few films that I'm like, I'm pretty interested in that. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting with 2022 because I didn't really like any of the Disney offerings, uh, per Disney or Pixar, but I loved both of the DreamWorks films. Uh, so, you know, I kind of, and I loved the Guillermo del Toro Pinocchio and Marcel Shell. So I thought it was actually a really strong year for animation, which is odd in, given I didn't like all three of the Disney, or I mean, I was lukewarm on all three of the Disney uh, releases which is interesting. So yeah, it's, it's, well, it'll be interesting to see what happens with 2023. Yeah, the funny thing is whenever you're evaluation a year, it always has that caveat of, you know, uh, how many, how many of the uh, smaller uh, foreign releases that get released here, do you count? How many of the streaming only mm -hmm. films do you count? And when you do that, do you balance it perfectly proportionally or do you give more weight to other films? Yeah. And, Obviously, trying to do it statistically can be a logistical nightmare. <laughs> so it often comes down to uh, just your gut on the impression of the big one. Like, as you mentioned, the the main Disney films, Strange World, Lightyear, really underperformed in, uh, for audiences. And I know you were especially down on Turning Red. Mm -hmm. I thought it was fine, but nothing special. But uh, I would agree on their films. But a lot of the rest of them did, were picking up the slack a bit. Yeah. Certainly, I think of the three pandemic years, it was by far the strongest. And this one's looking to mostly continue it. Mm -hmm. I, I, as I say, I see at least a good few that I'm fairly intrigued in and think mm -hmm. could turn out pretty great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's dive in. Let's talk about it. And we're going to give a one to four uh, stars excitement. So really four, very, very excited. One, not really excited at all. So Okay, let's start with Little Nicholas. And this uh, comes out uh, in the States uh, on the 15th. And it's directed by Armandine Fredon and Benjamin Massobre from a script by uh, uh, the um, uh, artist who created uh, Little Nicholas Gozinski's daughter, Anne, and Michael Fessler. And this is young Nicholas lives a childhood full of joy and learning in between camaraderie, arguments, fights, punishments, pranks, and games. Well, what that doesn't really tell you is that it also tells the whole story about the creator. Uh, that so it's like a dual story. You have little Nicholas, and then uh, in his story, and then you also have the story of the um, creator of the little Nicholas character um, and his story going on at the same time. Um, let me find what his name is. I forgot to write that down. Rene Gozinski. 
uh, is the uh, was the creator of Little Nicholas books, and uh, so it tells his story along with the Little Nicholas's story. And I've already seen this. Uh, I just haven't written my review yet, but uh, I um, I had a screener and it was so sweet. I really enjoyed it. The animation, sort of the sketchy style of animation, was really wonderful, and I enjoyed it. And I really liked it telling this dual story of sort of, of this creator and um, uh, the struggles that he goes through. Uh, and, you know, this little boy and dealing with uh, bullying and other things like that. Uh, I, I really thought it was sweet. So you saw the trailer, what'd you think? Uh, yeah, it, it's an interesting one. Just a, a few uh, other other details uh, I, I picked up that you didn't necessarily drop was uh, a lot of people would know Rene Gosinski primarily as the creator of Asterix. Well, I don't know how many Americans do, but it's uh-huh. the, one of the biggest co- comics or Bessé or whatever they call those comic albums in uh, mainland France and Belgium. So he's primarily known for that. And as I understand it, Nicola, Jan Nicholas, Bill Nicholas is kind of like that country's Dennis the Menace after mm-hmm. a fashion. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, actually, I'm reminded that uh, America has a different Dennis to uh, UK and Ireland, but that's beside the point. Uh, so I saw the trailer and, you know, I thought it would look cute and su- sweet enough, you know, the whole melding of the uh, autobiographical autobiographical yeah. process of, of them developing that and f- figuring it out. I, I, I think it looked a bit... Yeah, you know, uh, what's the words? Uh, a, a bit safe and on. It did look like it looked like it was taking a lot of the path of least resistances and poking around a few of the reviews. I kind of got that vibe that it was a an engaging but not very a, a pretty on demanding documentary thing. But you know, you said it was sweet and charming, and there's not a lot of value to that, especially when. A lot of the bigger animated films come off cynical in that department, so that's a it's a fair mileage, I guess. Uh, I don't think I see this as a film. I'm uh, I'd probably I'm gonna watch myself, so I think I'll I'll give it a two out of four. But I think those people who will be up for this sort of thing will uh, will get what they want out of it. So that's grand. Yeah, I think I'll give it like in my in my review. I think I'll give it like an eight out of ten. Um, I, it has brings some real heart with, uh, with the story of, uh, just, just can see the, uh, his legacy and, and, um, what happens. I don't want to give it away, but, um, uh, it doesn't surprise me that his daughter is one of the writers. Cause he, you could feel that sort of connection. I think that makes sense. Um, so I, I give it like, I'm going to give it like a 3.5. Uh, I think, uh, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was very, very good. Um, okay, then we have, uh, I mean, and this is crazy. We don't have, we go all the way from Puss in Boots in December, all the way until April 4th, before we have another mainstream uh, family film, animated film, at least. Uh, I mean, unless you can't like Quantumania or something like that as a family film. Uh, this kind of nuts that there's such a gap. Usually there's like a Lego movie or something in February that's a sort of a mainstream animated film or, or a family film. Well, uh, 
I, uh, you may remember this, I've mentioned it before, but Puss in Boots doesn't come out here until February. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, so I guess you guys won't have the, the wait. <laughs> but uh, but for, for America, I don't know, I'm just surprised they would go four months. That's a long time. We're still recovering. Yeah. Because that was the one thing about animation is that it was able to keep going and they were able to keep those films going even like uh like Encanto was done almost entirely work from home mm. so they weren't as shut down as other industries during the pandemic but I don't know it's just surprising to me uh but we have on the 4th of April we have Super Mario Brothers and this as the voices of Chris Pratt, Anya Taylor-Joy, Charlie Day, Jack Black, uh, director Aaron uh, Horvath, and Michael Jelinek. This is Illumination and the story of the Super Mario Brothers on their journey through the Mushroom Kingdom. And I I mean, I think we can pretty much pencil in this thing's going to make a lot of money. I mean, Illumination is so good at making money. <laughs> um, they Almost all their uh, movies have uh have made uh close to a billion dollars um and uh and then the ones that haven't have still been very profitable they they make their movies for so cheap that uh that it's almost impossible for them to fail um and uh and so it's it's i think this with the video game thing plus their their savvy their marketing savvy i just can't imagine this not making a billion dollars i think it's going to be a big hit yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, it's, uh, since the, since the pandemic struck, only Mi only Minions two has really been a bona fide animated blockbuster. Mm -hmm. I think the the well the next closest uh, in success was also Sing two, which was kind of a a sleeper hit. Yeah. I think it, by pre pandemic standards, that would have been judged as uh, probably a failure or at least an underperformance. But given the climate, it, it was it did really well for itself. Mm -hmm. I didn't see the film. It didn't interest me, but this is just what I'm noticing. So this the Super Mario Brothers thing is interesting. Uh, do you mind if I say my bits on this film yeah, first? Yeah, please, please. All right. So, I mean, I'm sure a lot of us have been following where this film has been uh, going for a while. You know, it's been on their schedule, and then they started dropping things like the cast list and the pick and the posters and screenshots and the trailers. And uh, what's absolutely clear is that the Artists are, are doing their utmost best to capture the vibe of Mario and the Mushroom Kingdom in this film. And they do seem to be doing a really bang up job of it. Uh, one sore point that a lot of people are feeling is uh, Chris Pratt, the voice of Mario, doesn't feel like a Mario voice and feels pretty phoned in. And next to every other voice that we've heard, which if either sounds very much like the character does in the games, or feels like a just right take on it. In particular, Jack Black is sort of doing Bowser as this kind of over over dramatic wrestler personality, which was one of the directions that was done for Bowser uh, over the years prior to this anyway. So it kind of fits. But Chris Pratt does sound a bit phoned in. That said, in some of the ads, he has sounded a bit better. So maybe he won't damage the movie too much. But uh, a few other things. Oh, the directors uh, are actually the creators of Teen Titans Go, and they did the film version of that, which was actually pretty good. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, 
the main advantage that film had over the series Teen Titans Go, that is, is they produce that series so fast. Their scripts, they don't iterate, basically. They do a first draft and that's basically it. Mm. So it's all on, you know, how good is the idea that they thought up on the spot? So by the very nature of a movie, they were able to, to actually pick the best bits. So that's one of the reasons that film was a lot better than the series it came from. Interesting. Uh, I, I heard that uh, it was that film in particular that got them the job for this and they got it like a month after Teen Titans Go to the Movies came out. So perfect evolution there. I also heard this film supposed to be pretty short. Some industry insiders say the film's only like 85 minutes or something. Mm. <laughs> that's good. That I think movies have gotten too bloated, so that's fine with me. <laughs> Absolutely. We it's even just animated films. We're living in an era where uh even if you discount credits, they're all well, they're all over the 90-minute mark where yeah. most of them really don't need to be. Yeah. It's true. But and yeah, I mean you, you've got to have like some confidence in the fact that they were able to win Nintendo over because they had said they were never gonna do another movie after the debacle of the first uh super mario's movie i know even for uh um, ralph getting to use some of the imaging was difficult uh and so they've been very 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 hesitant so uh they must have had something in their pitch that kind of won them over which is encouraging yeah universal and nintendo have really struck up a chord the last few years they've got the uh, nintendo parks with uh, area mm. in universal in japan and soon in Florida I think and Chris Melodondri the main illumination guy him and Shigeru Miyamoto uh, seem to have had a lot of similar uh, philosophies as, as to how they approach their properties to the point that Melodondri was, uh, has even been something of an executive advisor at Nintendo for the last few years <laughs> however it works they, they do seem to have a lot of similar commercial philosophies and uh, just get on on the same wavelength and vibe and while I can't imagine that the, the Japanese people had much to say on the whole, oh, oh, we're going to do this, the star studded voice cast thing. We're not using the other guys. I don't know mm -hmm. how they would have felt about that, but. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. I just got to admire Illumination. It's such a well-run company. I, <laughs> I think it's they They keep their costs low. They almost ensure that not only were they making money, but they will be tripling, quadrupling. Uh, they, Minions uh, 2 made 11 times its budget. It's just Mad. amazing. Amazing. And uh, and uh, also, I, I went on, I listened in on a panel at Annecy. Uh, this was in 20, 2021. Uh, they had a virtual Annecy Film Festival, which was so cool. Um, and they had a panel from Illumination and of course they're like obviously presenting the best you know side of them so you take it with a grain of salt but uh it was all about women in, in at illumination and how they uh and they were encouraging more female voices and anyway it was very interesting and they all seemed to really love working there and they had this whole video presentation and everything like that uh so they seem to be doing a lot of things right i just wish they would make a movie that i would love and maybe this will be the one. Who knows? I didn't think I would love uh, Puss in Boots' Last Wish, and I sure did. So you never know. Interesting um, angle. You, interesting angle you mentioned there about uh, what illumination we're focusing on the whole uh, pr progress for women in the career workplace. I mm -hmm. it, 
earlier in like the 2000s, DreamWorks was constantly, well, a, a few times, one of the best companies to work for, certainly animation studios. I think they were on the time list of best 100 companies to work for quite oh, a really? few times. Yeah. So it's funny, even though Pixar and, Di and later Disney were making better films, DreamWorks was regarded as a much better place to work for, at, at least in terms of your mental yeah. satisfaction and all. So maybe this is along yeah. the same wavelength. The films well, might guess. be slicer, but people love working there. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And now, I mean, they're now both owned by the same people. So, and maybe that's kind of rubbed off a little bit on them. But, um, but yeah, I would give this one, I'm going to be generous and give it a three. I hope uh, it'll be good. I'll stick, I'll stick with a three too. I, I do think the film uh, will still end up being very uh, slight. And, you know, even if it's good, enjoyable, uh, it won't necessarily linger in the mind much. Even the mm -hmm. better video game adaptions lately, uh, like Detective Pikachu or Sonic, still tend to be, eh, it was fine. I liked seeing it the once, but I wouldn't see it again variety. So this might be along that line, but even mm -hmm. that would still be better than some of the recent Illumination films. So yeah. I, I think I think it could end up being a, a good film, but not a great one. Mm -hmm. I'll give it a three, two. Okay, great. Are you a fan of Rachel's reviews? Do you look forward to Family Movie Night, female film critics panels, or the Talking Disney podcast? If so, please consider supporting the podcast by becoming a patron. As a patron, you get to access monthly events such as the watch-alongs and Q&As, where you get to talk to stars and find out the behind the scenes of the movie making industry. And you can pick what I review for Family Movie Night or even become a guest on the podcast. Podcasts and YouTube channels are expensive and I really, really could use your help. I would so appreciate it. You also get to be a member of the Facebook group where we talk about all the films that we're seeing and we have so much fun. Go to patreon.com slash hallmarkies and select one of the Rachel's fan tiers. That's patreon.com slash hallmarkies. Of our Pixar movie this year uh, on the 16th Elemental uh, Voices, Leah Lewis and Mam Mamado Athi. Uh, director Peterson and Brenda Hugh, the screenplay, uh, Peterson directing. And it's just follows Ember and Wade in a city where fire, water, land, and air residents live together. And it's a love story between this water and this flame, this fire uh, characters, Ember and Wade. And I think it looks, I mean, I love the animation. It looks amazing. And, uh, you know, we saw a bunch of stuff from it at D23, and then we have this trailer. Uh, and, uh, and so I think it, it looks sweet, you know, and I, I love a romance. Uh, I, I feel like we've had so many of these movies of like going behind the scenes, whether it's the Monsters World or the Lego World or the, or the, um, uh, the World of Luck we just had last year, uh, World of Emotions. I feel like this has been done to death. And that's the only thing I'm concerned about is that it just will feel really derivative. Uh, and because I wasn't a big fan of, I wasn't huge on either of their releases this last year. That kind of gives me some hesitation. Uh, and, uh, and so I, I don't know. I have mixed feelings about it. What about you? Well, when it comes to the whole uh, getting a peek inside a hidden world that you could only see in a film thing, I mean, that's been going on for ages. That was pretty much Pixar's thing in their early years, toys, bugs, monsters, fish, etc., and when it comes to a lot of other studios doing that in recent years, I think it boils down to, you know, 
when you're peeking into the world, is the story you're telling in that world one that's actually fundamentally tied to that particular concept? Like, if you could take that and switch it with something else and you wouldn't have to change the story much, you've done a bad job with it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Like, take the Lego movie, the original one. You you could really only tell that wish toy bricks that a kid plays with, you know? So mm-hmm. that's a good version of that. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. That's a good point. So uh, on that on that front, uh, we the thing we really don't have enough info about it yet to really tell how well it's using this uh, this concept of the elementals. Uh, currently, off of the poster and synopsis and teaser trailer, it doesn't look to be using it that heavily. At least not in a way that really reflects on it to a great uh, thematic or story mm-hmm. cohesion level. So I am a little uh, uncertain there. Uh, in particular, the filmmakers cited, uh, you know, the way New York would have lots of different boroughs of people from uh, different continents coming in. They're, they're thinking of it like that way. Like you've got a metropolis city with people of lots of different uh, ethnicities and backgrounds. And, and like that's Zootopia. the kind of story that- yeah, I suppose not unlike Zootopia, yeah. Yeah. So I, I do agree that it could be a bit uh, derivative on that, but it's a bit too early to see. Mm. My faith in Pixar in, in recent years has been shaken quite a lot, unlike a lot of people. I, uh, their, sort, their films post-John Lasseter, a lot of people seem to have w- warmed up to and really liked. Not really myself. They've either been kind of weak, like Onward and Lightyear, or they've been passable diversions like Luca and turning red and that's about it uh yeah or mixed bags they i felt like the scripts where in the past the scripts were really tight and you could tell they'd use the story meetings to refine it to like these just kind of perfect scripts and some people might think they're like too scrubbed or too they might prefer something a little bit more messy but i feel like soul was really messy like i i i love the animation i love the music but the story, especially when he turns into a cat, I did not. I thought the story was kind of a mess. Um, and uh, and then, I, yeah, Luca was sweet and simple. So I, I enjoyed that. Uh, but yeah, I agree. I think that the scripts have been almost uniformly a little messy since he left, in my uh, opinion. Uh, actually, another, th- a different observation I feel it ties into that a bit is, uh, you know, in recent years, the scripts have go have gotten far less interested in hiding the mechanicalness of the story beats. If mm-hmm. that makes any sense, like you're watching it and you know, and it's not just that you know where it's going to go. The film isn't hiding that; it's broadcasting it clear as day and yeah. in such a manner that you you find your mind drifting to, oh, okay, when's the third act thing coming? When's the second act? uh downer point coming etc this they're becoming they feel a lot more obviously mechanical and that makes the messy aspects stick out more or well yeah yeah that's true that's just my Uh, observation yeah no i agree i would give this a two and a half i think i'm right in the middle but you're right we don't have that much knowledge yeah yeah i I, one other thing i would say of the visuals is I mean, Pixar these days, they're either alternating between just photorealism, but better, or Uh this sort of uh, TV aesthetic in CG form with Luke and turning red. 
and I'm not re I haven't really been a, a big fan of either of those aesthetics. Uh, this is at least a little different, though. I will confess I was a bit disappointed when the trailers came out and uh, it was interpreting the concept art in a more realistic manner than I thought. I was yeah. assuming it was going to be more along the lines of ins of Inside Out in terms of the visual stylisticness of it. Mm. So maybe that yeah. was just a personal expectation, but shrug. I wish that at least for one movie that Pixar would embrace this sort of hybrid animation that we've been seeing, whether it's in Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, the, the Bad Bad Boys, the um, the obviously in the Spider Verse. I just love that sort of mixture of the the way that that uh, hybrid animation moves and flows. I think it's so beautiful. I'm a I'm a real sucker for it, and I wish that they would give it a shot. But um, I guess they had a little bit in Turning Red with some of the anime inspired sequences. But uh, but I I just love that whole kind of way it moves yeah. and flows. Uh, me too. I, I think we will see a little of that in 2024 to judge from the, the films there. Um, mm. it, it's funny, uh, not just Sony, DreamWorks, it, even Illumination is upping their animation game. Ironically, it seems to be Pixar and Disney that are playing yeah. things the most visually safe lately. Yeah. Anyway, so for Elemental sure. uh, 2.5 or 3, uh, I'm going to I'm going to still give it a three because it it just feels a bit mad it still feels a bit maddening to be anticipating an illumination film more than a more than a Pixar one and but I that three is with the caveat that they impress me more as we get closer to the date so yeah. maybe that's yeah. a little blind face but you know it happens yeah all right so next we have Pop Troll the Mighty movie this is a sequel to uh, the previous one. Um, this has got Dax Shepard, Taraji P. Henson, Tyler Perry, Director Cal Brunker, and writer Bob Barlin and Cal Brunker, who both were a part of the first one. Uh, a magical meteor crash lands in Adventure City and gives the Paw Patrol pups superpowers, transforming them into the Mighty Pups. Now, I actually enjoyed the first one. I thought it was sweet for like little kids. It's supposed to be for like pre-K. Um, little little kids it was a cute little story and but I don't know if I really like this idea I mean, maybe this is part of the show I have no idea um, Mighty Pups might be part of the show but uh, but it feels I don't know just does everything have to have superpowers these days um, but I'm sure it'll be fine for little little kids pre-k uh, I suppose my thoughts on this well I I mean I unlike you I have not seen the first film but by that time I was well out of seeing animated films that I didn't really want to see mm -hmm. but uh, but I you know I, I had seen its trailer and some contextual clips of both it and the show and and read pieces on it and the funny thing is the first Paw Patrol film got decent uh, reviews from critics even though it was pointed out that most parents would probably not have given it that much nearly that kind of reception because the show is kind of infamous for being a very uh, a very bland ugly animated cookie cutter show like if you've seen clips of the actual tv show the animation is so stiff and ungodly and lifeless it's almost hilarious well mm. unless you have to actually watch it with your kid over and over <laughs> and yeah. uh, so uh, so obviously the film was you know still stiffly animated but in a seat in a theatrical stiffly animated so didn't make parents want to gore their eyes out other than that the the concept is very much one of those 
don't think about the logistics of it because there's no adult authority anywhere in this universe. It's just this kid and a bunch of puppies running the authority. Yeah. So it, that's really, that's a bit of a mind scramble there. Uh, I mean, I have really no interest in seeing this film whatso- whatsoever because it's pure unadulterated toy commercial and maybe the little kids will like it. But I think we're in an era where when it comes to uh, anima- animated films that are only for little kids, we can do better than that. Uh, two months after the first Patrol, Paw Patrol film, we had the the new My Little Pony movie, and that and that one wasn't half bad. Too. I liked that. Yeah, I so, did. So, um, you know, uh, so I'd give this just for just for little little kids. I'd give it a two, but um, I uh, yeah, it's not for everybody. That's for sure. Give it. Uh, would oh, you give it a one? Sorry, I'd already given it my score. I said one. Oh, okay. Sorry, I didn't hear you. Okay. Then we have Chicken Run, Dawn of the Nugget. Uh, yes. This is, <laughs> this is on the 10th. Bella Ramsey, Zachary Levi, Imelda Staunton, Thandie Newton, director Sam Fell. And this is, of course, Ardman Netflix. Since having pulled off an escape from Tweety's farm, Ginger has found a peaceful island sanctuary for the whole flock. But back on the mainland, the whole of chicken kind faces a new threat and Ginger and her team decide to break in. And of course there was some controversy because they, uh, they are going with different voice cast, I think this time. Um, then they went with the original one. Um, in, in part, in part, I think of the age, uh, of the eight roles from the original that are coming back, Mr. and Mrs. Tweedy obviously aren't, uh, I think three of them have their cast returned, mm-hmm. five don't. But of those five, one of them is the guy who played Fowler who passed away. So, you know, that's fair. And right. they weren't going to bring Mel Gibson back because of the controversy with him. Mm, yeah. So Zachary Levi is playing, is voicing Rocky. Yeah. So the only ones that they properly recast in when they didn't have to were Jinder and the two rats, I believe. Uh, the yeah. three other female chickens, uh, Babs, Mac, and uh, Bunty. Yeah, that's it. Uh, they've kept their voice roles. Yeah, I mean, and so I, I love the original. Uh, it's one of my favorite animated films. It's probably my favorite from Ardman. And uh, and so I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. So far, I mean, I wasn't that big a fan of Early Man, but I didn't hate it either. That's really the most like lukewarm I've been on any of their movies. I've enjoyed all of their movies so far um just different degrees and and so uh for this new one i'm definitely looking forward to it what about you well uh, as a lot of folks probably know I, well if they know my channels they may know uh i am a huge ardman animation nut uh and both Chicken Run and Curse of the Were-Rabbit, Wallace and Gromit that is, are among some of my favorite animated films of all time. So, you know, when this film was announced, I was mad excited for it. I definitely was a bit apprehensive when they announced that it, would, it was being done with Netflix now. And I can't help but wonder if some of the recasting uh, was a Netflix mandate to try and have, you know, vo- some voice actors that are more hip with it to draw in a new new younger crowd i wonder if that's what's going on there maybe i mean i feel like 
Bella Ramsey and Zachary Levi, those aren't like super big names, though. It's not like it's like, um, I mean, possibly Taylor not. Swift Zachary... and Megan Trainer. You know what I mean? Like trendy hmm. names. Zachary Levi, he he played Flynn and Tangled, didn't he? Yeah, he was Flynn and Tangled, and he was on Shazam. So, like, he's he's I guess pretty well known, but not like I still wouldn't think he'd be like a a huge draw just on his own, just on the name power. But well, who is these it, days? So yeah, I suppose. Well, it's either that theory or or Ardman is is letting themselves think in a mindset they hadn't before, which isn't the most comforting thought. So yeah. Uh, as for the actual plot, it it, uh, it it does seem to be pointing towards the main characters being the the children rather than the previous characters. In any case, you know. Oh yeah. So I'm not sure what to make team. of that. Uh, as for the staff behind this, uh, Sam Fell, uh, people may know him, he directed Paranorman, well, co-directed it, mm-hmm. and some of this, uh, the screenwriter from the original, Kerry Kirkpatrick, who's, he's bounced around between both American and UK animated films, uh, he, not only did he write for Chicken, Li- uh, Chicken Run, I almost said Chicken Little, mm-hmm. dear God, uh, <laughs> he, he wrote... For James and the Giant Peach, that was what got him the chicken rug gig. Oh. And he directed Over the Hedge and Smallfoot, which are, you know, they're fine enough films, nothing amazing, but they're fine enough. And now he's back writing this. And I actually have this great book on Ardman animation history. And when uh, he it, when he was hired to write for Chicken Run after another screenwriter didn't work out, he was a, a really big Anglophile, you know, the Americans that love UK mm-hmm. shows. So that's why it doesn't really feel like it was written by an American at all, which is great. So I hope they're able to maintain that in this film, you know, not just have such British phrases as give over or pull the other one or what did you do, you great pudding? They're chickens, you great blummocks and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Which is always great. But you even have such... Uh, off-kilter phrases as Fowler's always showing up late for every war, overpaid, oversexed, and over here. <laughs> well, so yeah, in the original, I ref- don't want to be a pie. That's my favorite. Yeah, I hope they're able to retain the fact that it's made, well, it's set in the 50s, because that was an interesting thing about the original film. It, it was a proper prisoner of war escape film yeah, that, were, that were popular among the decades, but certainly were not mainstream by the year 2000 so in many ways it it was harking back to uh, an older film genre Mm -hmm. and especially a a very british take on it which is less less outwardly focused on being sentimental than an american animated film might have been Mm. anyway well i'm going to be optimistic on this one and i'm going to give it a, a full four i'm really looking forward to it and i hope it will be good uh, what about you? Oh, uh, I, I am giving it a four too. I'm dead excited for it. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be as good as the original. The thing about Ardman's eight, eight films to date is that their first two, Chicken Run and Were Rabbit, were the best. And since then, they fluctuated between either really good, like with Shaun the Sheep or uh, Arthur Christmas. But most of the rest have been sort of, you know, sort of disposable fun or in the... Um, especially in the case of a film like Early Man, which is, you know, dumb fun, like good dumb fun, but dumb fun yeah. nonetheless. So uh, do I think this will get up to the chicken run rabbit tier? 
No, but I but I hope that it can reach the Sean the Sheep Arthur Christmas tier. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, let's go through some of these other ones uh, pretty a little bit quicker. So we have Trolls 3. Uh, we don't really know anything about this. It's just, we just know it'll, it'll be in time for holidays 2023. Uh, Anna Kendrick, Justin Timberlake, so the cast is coming back, but we don't know the plot. We don't have a trailer. We don't. And I was not a big fan of either of the previous Trolls movies, uh, especially I thought the second one was very strange. Uh, why are we shaming people for liking different kinds of music? Like, that, I don't know. It was just, and, and I thought for sure the ending would be them all coming together and all singing together. But no, they still stayed segmented. It was so weird. It was such a weird movie. Uh, but uh, but I don't know. I'm just not. I feel like this is a, is is shame because it feels like a step back after such an amazing 2022 for DreamWorks with with such wonderful films to now be doing another Trolls movie. It just feels like you know. I mean, I'm, got, I'm glad it's not a boss baby movie, but uh, I give this a one. I'm not really looking forward to it. Uh, I, I wouldn't say I'm that down in it as yourself. I, I, I will admit, uh, I do have a small affection for the Trolls movies based, nothing to do with their narrative or characters. It's based purely on, on their visual looks and the way they're directed and, you know, choreographed. Mm -hmm. The cinematography is in we think of DreamWorks being all visually creative now, but in many ways, it was the original Trolls back in 2016 that really started that. It had, you know, great funky camera movements. Uh, the textures were uh, so fuzzy and lifelike and, you know, they, they weren't going for the whole human realism thing. So I really, uh, I really liked that. At, like, at the very least, I like them in the sort of muted Blu-ray film sense, which, you know... Mm -hmm. It's not much, but it's not nothing given right. realism these days has a bit of a small reach. I will agree that the that the moral logic of the second film really doesn't make a lot of sense because like it's obviously not, you know, it's not it's not just uh, different music societies. It's supposed to represent uh, human societies getting along and not being racist and all that sort of stuff. But and, you know, so it's not really about music, but the text has to make sense and it doesn't otherwise uh, so how can you expect the subtext to really resonate that's a problem a lot of films fall into these days yeah that well, said and then, it, and then even the first one in the message like branch isn't doing i think that's his name branch he's not doing anything wrong he just doesn't like doing what the other trolls are doing but that doesn't make him bad but in that in the world of the movie the fact that he doesn't want to dance makes him bad and so I think that it's it's this weird kind of movie where the, the like the the message is supposedly acceptance, but they're making that troll creature change every change uh, the goblin or whatever she is, making her change who she is, and they make Branch change who he is to be like everybody else, which I think is kind of weird. I know I'm overthinking accidental movie, conformity due to writing oversight. Yeah. It happens quite a bit these days. Yeah. <laughs> So what would you give it? Uh, uh, I'm going to err with a 1.5. Uh, mm. As a narrative object, probably not, but something could happen. And hey, look, if DreamWorks can, can turn things around with uh, Puss and Boots, it's not out of the question they could do yeah. so with this, you know. It's true. We'll have to see how we feel closer to the time. Yeah. All right. Then we have uh, also coming out Thanksgiving week, we have Wish from Disney. 
Uh, this is a musical uh, starring Ariana DeBose, uh, director Chris Buck, writer Chris Buck, Jennifer and Jennifer Lee. And it's 17-year-old Asha and her goat Valentino navigate Rose, Rosa's The Kingdom of Wishes, where wishes can literally come true. And I have to say, D23, they played the sizzle reel <laughs> that was super cringy introducing this, that like, that, that going back to like the history of Disney animation and showing that the, they are the reasons people, we are the reasons people dream and uh, we are the reasons people wish on stars and wishes and, and all culminating into this movie, which was super cringe. But I still, I mean, you're never going to have me not be excited for a Disney animated musical. That's always going to be, especially with Ariana DeBose. She's an amazing singer. Uh, so just on that, uh, and I like there's some diversity in her, uh, in Asha. So that's cool. Um, and I mean, I actually really loved Encanto. I thought that was great. Um, Raya I had more mixed feelings on, but I still enjoyed it. So they've been hit and miss for me, uh, the last couple of years. Uh, and I didn't like strange world. Uh, so yeah, we'll see, but I'm, I'm going to give this a three. Uh, what about you? Uh, I have a very strained relationship with Disney animation these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people, uh, something that's become popular lately is to sort of split the Disney revival period into two into two different sections. The first mm-hmm. up to Moana, the second, the more recent one, I suppose after John Lasseter left. Mm-hmm. And of this second period, Ralph Breaks the Internet, Frozen 2, Raya, Encanto, Now Strange World, I I have been miss on nearly all of them. I think Frozen 2 is the only one I was properly positive on. And even then it was messy film, but there's enough that I like in it. Encanto, I was like, Encanto sort of like on the border for me. The other three, nope, miss. Mm-hmm. Now this, this, and just a lot of the trends they've had lately, the, vi- the visual sameness of their films, uh, a very calculated desperation to be inclusive that's happening in most disney Mm -hmm. products these days not just their animation of course well and a lot of generational trauma we can that in almost every movie yeah yeah i i am finding a lot of my goodwill from disney has evaporated as for this particular film well we don't know much about it lately and you would know more than me having seen some stuff at d23 all i have is the plot name and that one concept art to go off of so their the, musicals usually have a better fighting chance than their non-musicals. That is true. And, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, maybe this one could do some stuff. I'll definitely end up seeing it because Disney animation, but it's definitely going to have to do some work to earn, uh, to earn some mm-hmm. uh, goodwill from me. So I'm going to be a shocker. Uh, only a 1.5 for now even mm, though I will definitely mm-hmm. see it, whereas I'll probably pass on some two films. Right. Okay, so now we are going to ones that, for the rest, these I think will be a little bit quicker because we don't have much information or as much information on the, those are the ones that we have like dates for. Um, we have a movie called Migration. I guess we do have a date for this one, but Migration, this directed by Benjamin Renner and Mike, written by Mike White who's done like a ton of stuff white lotus recently um he also wrote the emoji movie but we won't hold that against him uh, so 
This is from Illumination, and it's the original movie follows a family of ducks, which convinced their overprotective father to go on a wild vacation of a lifetime. What do you think? Well, it's it's so hard to say because since we know almost nothing about it, I remind in 2016 we were getting so much ads for Secret Life of Pets, and Sings ad campaign didn't really start going until yeah. like August of that year. So it's very much a situation like that. Yeah, uh, I mean, I Mike mean, White does intrigue me. I, I really don't hold him accountable for the Moji movie. He was just in a team with that, but uh, I was just kidding with that. But so that, but he's. A very successful com- comedic writer um so it's interesting to have him on board uh i, I, I mean give it a two yeah I mean, when you know literally nothing you can't say one way or the other and illumination is picking themselves up a bit more these days i mean minions rise of Gru was better than boat lightyear and strange worlds you know yeah, that was a shocker agreed. yeah that plane scene i laughed my butt off that scene i thought it was yeah. really funny We'd like to take a second and thank our sponsor for this episode of the podcast. It's the Hallmarkies Merch Store. Are you looking for that perfect gift for the postable, hardy, or Hallmarkie in your life? What about getting that t-shirt or hoodie that will help you stand out at your next holiday party? Now is the time to check out the Hallmarkies Merch Store. Full of festive designs by artists like Jessica Miller, Carrie from Hallmark Comics, and more. You can even have more than just shirts, but totes, cell phone cases, notebooks, mugs, and more. And it isn't just Hallmark. We have designs for Anna Green Gables, Man from Snowy River, The Nanny, and more. Every purchase at the merch store goes to help support the podcast and allows us to make the great content you know and love. There are frequent sales, so go to tpublic.com slash stores slash Hallmarkies or see the link in the description. That's tpublic.com slash stores slash Hallmarkies. Celestine to a trip to Gibertia. Um, this is Ernest and Celestine return to Ernest's country to have his broken violin repaired. They discover that music is banned throughout the country. They will attempt to right this injustice in order to bring joy back to bear country. I think this sounds really adorable. I love the first one we did just recently. Uh, we didn't even know this new one was coming, but in um, uh, January we did, a, or, uh, or no, was it December? I, we just recently, in like November, December, just recently we did uh, obscure animation for Ernest and Celestine, the first one. Uh, it's just fresh on my mind and I love it. And this looks really cute. So I'm going to give this a four. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. I mean, the, the original film is one of the crown crown jewels of foreign kid animation of the 2010s. That much is unquestionably without debate. Mm-hmm. Almost everyone who's seen it loved it. It's, it's such a Cute, so cute. Uh, cute sweet and sincere film but still in a sort of offbeat kilter european flair way like mm-hmm. it still you know does pl- does some things that you wouldn't expect an american film mm-hmm. like it diverts from this uh story of the two of them getting along from their different worlds and uh descends into a sort of courtroom drama towards the end mm-hmm. which is it's a bit unorthodox but it mm-hmm. but it certainly works fine mm-hmm. having watched the trailer for this sequel uh Something that's happened a lot in recent years is that there will be uh, a big a European animated film, independent enough, Studio Canal will distribute it, it'll be successful, and then it'll get a sequel from studios that don't normally do sequels. And while it doesn't feel as calculated as an American sequel, it does certainly have a feel of the foreign distributors uh, are banking on this being a success and feels a bit more 
calculated and a step mm-hmm. down. I guess you could sort of see, see that. that with the Shaun the Sheep sequel, which was certainly perfectly fine, but uh, lacked the freshness of the original and was, you know, a, a grab bag of mixing sci-fi stuff with the original. Still a very good film, just not mm-hmm. a mass, a near masterpiece. So I I kind of get the same vibe for this, that it won't be as good as the original, but since the original was fantastic this still has room to be really good so i'm giving it a 3.5 mm-hmm. okay good uh then we have one called high in the clouds which is going to be really interesting this is going to netflix uh but it is uh directed by timothy Rickert and based on the children's book by paul mccartney which also features music by the world-renowned star and it's Whirl the Squirrel and his friends Frago and Wilhelmina try to escape the nightmare world of Megatropolis in order to find Animalia, a sanctuary in the clouds. So that sounds pretty fun. Me? Yeah, I mean, uh, one thing certainly against it, the director directed The Star, which I found a pretty horrible film. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not familiar with this head over heels, though. Have you heard of it? Uh-uh. I don't know if that's... I mean, I know there's a Broadway musical called Head Over Heels. I don't know. But I don't know about a movie. Hmm. Well, but on the other hand, you know, children's book by Paul McCartney. Uh, it's got music by him. You know, that's not to be necessarily sniffed at. And typically, if a children's book is adapted for a film and it's a children's book that's been around for a while, that usually means it's got staying power, so it's worth keeping an eye out for. I mean, look at My Father's Dragon. That's from, like, the 1940s, and that got made into a film just a couple of months ago. True. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Yeah. So, uh, I mean, it's exciting new songs from Paul McCartney. Yeah, It's a short. Head of Her Heels is a short. It's a stop motion short. Oh. Yeah. I'm just looking it up. Yeah. Anyway. I'll look into that later. <laughs> uh, so what do you, I think I'll give this a three. I, there's just enough stuff there to be pretty uh, intrigued with new music mm-hmm. from Paul I do McCartney. feel, I do tend to feel that, you know, without benefit of the doubt of it being made by people whose track record i trust like you know if ardman announced a new film Mm -hmm. i do need a bit more to go on so i'm going to hesitate at at two for this moment on this one we have nimona this is also coming to netflix uh this uh, was rescued from blue sky uh it was i think like two-thirds done and then when disney shut down blue sky Nimona got shut down, but then they were able to make a deal or whatever, and it's being done by Netflix Animation. Um, and it's Chloe Grace Moretz and Riz Ahmed are some of the voices, and Nick Bruno and Troy Juane are directing. It's Nimona is the only person that can help Knight Ballister Boldheart to prove his innocence. He is framed for a crime he didn't commit. So, I mean, I love the anime, what I've seen of the animation of this. I think it looks really pretty. We don't have a trailer, but just the the poster and other things that we've seen i've i really thought was pretty and uh and i'm just excited that they get to finish it and that's really cool Uh, the stories that have been told about this film over the last few years it's pretty mad isn't it Mm -hmm. 
yeah, uh, like the production history. I mean, even before D Blue Sky Studios were were shut down, it was already a very unique film for them. Uh, you know, it, it wasn't another Ice Age sequel. It wasn't another cutesy animals film. But to that point, only P the Peanuts film had really felt like, you know, they weren't just following the norm of commercial little kids films. And this was along the same vibe. Not It was based on a comic I believe, or something. Anyway, and like, uh, I mean, like an adult's comic or something. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's it, like a it had... um, graphic novel, I think. Close enough. There. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. And, and this film also had, as I understand it, it was having pretty major LGBTQ themes, which mm -hmm. Disney certainly wasn't that fond of. Although, although I, I don't believe that was the main reason it was shut down. But anyway, you know, it was shut down. Mm -hmm. Annapurna Pictures rescued it. They're doing the rest of the animation. 75% was done, as you say. It's getting released this year by Netflix. And uh, the stills that have been released for this film look absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. Now, we do have the caveat that we haven't seen it in motion. And Spider-Verse and Puss in Boots have really raised the bar on that. Yeah. So we don't necessarily, we don't, know enough to be a hundred percent excited but certainly i'm like you know 90 percent excited there even just seeing the film getting released is such a relief after all that's happened to it and all the behind the scenes stories and the industry insiders saying this film's amazing re gonna be really amazing like from people that wouldn't say that unless they really believed it you know mm -hmm. so i'm dead excited for this uh i'm gonna give it a four mm-hmm yeah, me too. I'm just so happy that they that it, that it's happening. That uh, I'm gonna be optimistic. I'm not the biggest fantasy person, so like knights and you know, this kind of thing. Like that's not my favorite, but hopefully it'll it'll be done well. Um, all right, then we have Spellbound, and this stars Rachel Zegler, Nicole Kidman, Javier Bardem, John Lithgow, Nathan Lane. Directed by Vicky Jensen, script by Lauren Hynek and Elizabeth Martin, who did Mulan, uh, and uh, so the the remake Mulan, of course. Uh, and this is uh, one of the Skydance slash Apple movies, uh, and it's Spellbound tells the story of Ellen, a teenager who comes of age using her magical powers to defend her family when the opposing forces of light and darkness threaten to divide her kingdom. What do you think? Ooh, it's it's a dicey one, this, because I did not see luck. It, it honestly looked unappealing enough and the word of mouth and reviews on it didn't sell me on it. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, Skydance Animation with the whole hiring John Lasseter thing, it's, it's a little icky, not quite sure what to make of it. Now, as I understand it, Luck was the film he excised the most influence on and Spellbound was, I understand from what I've heard, hasn't changed as much since he came on, but it, but it certainly does seem to, and even apart from that, even apart from Lasseter's influence, uh, uh, everything I know about and seen about Luck, with the caveat that I did not see the film, but... Uh, did not make it that appealing. And from this, it, you were saying earlier that a lot of films are over-relying on the whole alternate world angle high concept thing without really putting in the work to make it work. The work mm -hmm. to make it work. It does, uh, and it does this, feel like a really generic summary. Yeah. I mean, a lot of these summaries do, to be fair, but 
even within this. I mean, I like the still, the, the main still of the furry mm-hmm. animals running around, if if not the humans. So I guess there's that. But I don't know. I, unless this one really gets positive word of mouth, I do not see myself seeing it for the most part. So 1.5. Mm-hmm. I give it a two. Uh, but yeah, well, we'll have to wait to see if there's a when there's a trailer. All right, we have a big one next. It's called Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. And Shamik Moore, Haley Steinfeld, Oscar Isaac, Jake Johnson, director Joaquin, Hakeem Dos Santos, Kemp Power and Kemp Powers, Justin K. Thompson, writers Lord and Lord and Miller, of course, and David Callahan. This is Sony. Miles Morales returns for the next chapter of the Oscar-winning Spider-Verse saga, an epic adventure that will transport Brooklyn's full-time friendly neighborhood Spider-Man across the multiverse to join forces with Gwen Stacy and a new team of Spider-People to face off with a villain more powerful than anything they have ever encountered. Now, I absolutely loved Into the Spider-Verse. It blew me away. It dazzled me. I, It's one of my favorite like animated films ever. I thought it was... I was on that bandwagon. I thought it was incredible. Uh, and I really liked the trailer for this. Uh, I, I'm kind of happy that they're splitting into two parts. So I think it's not going to hopefully feel too rushed. They're taking their time. They're right. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's going to be hard to reach the highs of of, of the original. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give this a four. I'm really looking forward to it. It's one of my most anticipated of the year. Uh, can I give it a five? No? Okay, <laughs> yeah. four then. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, you did point out one thing, which is it'll obviously lack the freshness of the new. And if I am being honest, I have heard one, one or two uh, industry insider things that say that a lot of the personnel switching around between this one and the first one, like it doesn't share any of the first one's directors, which is a little yeah. Peter Ramsey and so there's a lot of crew uh, swapping around and if the film is really successful first film would be successful and they were happy with the work they did why would they and why would those people not want to come back so that is a, a bit of a question mark but that's the only thing i can hold against the film at this stage the first film as you mentioned was such a phenomenal game-changing masterpiece and we're really seeing the effects of it now with bad guys and mitchells and puss and boots and other films yep. like can think of right now right and but even given that this one still looks to visually top them all so but if it can do the two major achievements the first film did apart from its animation which was that you know it actually told a legitimately investable story with its main character that actually legitimately worked and didn't feel you know cliched or derivative or, or I mean it wasn't that most original thing in the world but it it worked and was tied to him and it was a film that was promoting diversity without it coming across as ham-fisted that was the greatest thing I thought mm-hmm. so yeah. if it can continue all that as well as the humor the first film was actually really funny when it wasn't actiony mm-hmm. or emotional so if they can continue that deft blend of tones and being diverse for the right reasons and the phenomenal visuals even if we don't see a medium-defining masterpiece, we will still see absolutely one of the best films of the year. I'd be very surprised if this wasn't in my top three at the bare minimum. And also, because the first film was so adored and beloved and an industry definer, I think this one will outgross the original, even though we're not out of the pandemic quite yet, as far as animated films box office are concerned. 
Yeah, and it's going to be towards the end of the year, I think. No, uh, this one's release is it's in June. Oh, is it? Oh, I was wrong. Okay. Uh, yeah, I I agree with you. I think it's it's going to do much better at the box office than the the original. Um, and uh, I'm I'm just super excited for it. All right, next we have Suzume. This is by director Makoto Shinkai, and it's from uh, it's being released by Sony here in the state. Sony Crunchyroll. And it's a modern action adventure road story where a 70 year old girl named Suzume helps a mysterious young man close doors from the outside that are releasing disasters all over Japan. And there's also like, if you watch the trailer, this guy, this young man turns into a chair or something with she's protecting this chair. Anyway, I love Makoto Shinkai. To me, he hasn't missed. Uh, I didn't love, um, oh, oh shoot um what's it called um i can't think of the name all of a sudden um weathering with you weathering with you yeah whether i like i didn't love it as much as your name but that's a tall order because i absolutely it's one of my favorite movies ever um but uh, the animation in all of his movies is absolutely stunning uh the the way that he animates water uh in particular i just think is so beautiful and uh water and comets and clouds and and all of that is just beautiful and I love the way he writes uh, teenage characters. I think he really gets them <laughs> and uh, uses music. I don't know. I just love him as a director. So that alone gets a four for me. Uh, I thought the trailer is very beautiful. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I mean, your name was a real game changer with how mm-hmm. monstrously successful it was. And, it, you know, brought a lot of people onto his work and uh, a, a lot. Pretty much everything you said is true. The uh, the way he animates the particle effects of water and everything yeah. in the sky, and it's phenomenal. I, I was lucky enough to actually see your name in an IMAX theater, oh, so subtitled, jealous. funnily enough. That, so seeing it on a big screen like that was such a unique experience. Like, That's so uh, cool. th- that, that was what I, I've seen a bit of anime in my time, not the mm-hmm. biggest fan, but very rarely in the cinema. So phenomenal effects animation sorry i realize i'm getting off the story but what you say about you know him doing young adult char- uh, characters in whirlwind romances and finding their place in life as young people do it does really appeal and mm-hmm. really gets to people's souls so it's easy to see why he's successful um the weird his films do take a weird turn towards hard fantasy towards the ends that you know sometimes even when it works, it does feel a bit of a, okay, did, I don't know if you really needed to do that. Like in your name, it was just more, it was more of a question mark for me in that I don't think this drags the film down, but I don't know if you're gaining much from it. It was a bit weirder for me, weathering with you being Frank, but yeah. that being said, his mere body of work does obviously make this well worth checking out and everything from the trailer does seem to be another if not a landslide victory from him at least uh, a very solid fill of worth one's time so i don't think i could give this a four myself probably somewhere between three and three and a half i'll be generous and give it a three and a half though yeah and i do agree that the ending of weathering you was very strange like they kind of let everybody die <laughs> just for their love i know it's a little strange but whatever um but uh, all right, then we have Unicorn Wars, and this is Alberto Vasquez, and he did a movie called Bird Boy, The Forgotten Children, which is very dark 
uh, and strange. This is released by G kids. It's an epic anti-war fable finds religious fanatic teddy bears waging a bloody war against peaceful environmentalist unicorns. Did have a trailer for this. Yeah, it's uh well, I mean, the film is already completed and has released in a few countries. So, yeah, uh, of course, it has a trailer. Uh, it, it's an interesting one. I mean, I, I saw Bird Boy. I think uh, you back in twenty seventeen. I think it was that year. You, you let me have a few screeners for a few films. It included that one, also mm. the Fox Tales one that was from the Ernest and Sel- oh, Celestine one. people as well. Anyway, so I've seen Bird Boy, and it. It's a it's the kind of film that hinges on the juxtaposition of these cute cartoon designs in, in a in a world of very bleak, visually dark and disturbing stuff, and yeah. it gains its power from that. And it's certainly a very slight story. Like the film's only like seventy three minutes, and even then, it still feels a bit padded. I hear this one is only eighty minutes, so it's still within the same ballpark. As for the differences, I mean. It, this has a brighter color palette like the characters are made to pop a lot more if that makes any sense yeah so uh, so there's a, it has a somewhat different vibe to it also somewhat humorously just because of the title unicorn wars uh, it's had a few memes in, in the brony fandom uh, as some folks will know I'm, I'm a big my little pony fan so i pick up a lot of what goes on there <laughs> some of them are waiting to see what that film the film might be like so, mm-hmm. I mean, I lo- still liked the first film well enough. It It's not the sort of stuff thing you'd want to watch, uh, you know, to cheer up. No, you need to be in, in the mood for uh, something that will intellectually stimulate you and not be afraid to feel bad things because, you know, it makes you feel if a film makes you feel. So the right, with the right mindset, I think this one should be good enough. Yeah, I'm, not sure I'm what intrigued. Score I'd give it though. I'm intrigued uh, by the animation, and I I always kind of love these sort of one man made uh, animated films. I always find them like really intriguing, uh, and I think it's cool in this day and age that I mean he wrote, he directed, he animated it. Um, that's pretty cool. Uh, I think I'm mean, not that he didn't have any help, but you know it's mostly mostly him, uh, and uh, so I'm gonna give it a two and a half i think i'm gonna err on the side of three for this one higher score than you (gasps) yeah there we go all right uh then we have fixed this is writer director gendy tartakovsky it's uh the story of an average all-around good dog who is in love with the show dog next door and what what happens when he learns that he's going to be neutered in the morning what does a dog do with his last night out with his besties? I mean, I think that just knowing that Gendy's behind it, you know, it's going to be the animation's going to be great. I mean, just that alone. Uh, and it's adult animation. So it's going to be interesting to see. Um, I, I'd give it two and a half as well. <laughs> Well, I mean, it, I, I re- you really have to feel for Gandhi because after he uh, went with Sony Animation, he got in a holding pattern where he'd make a Hotel Transylvania to stay on their good books so he could be allowed to make the film he want. And yeah. then they'd kill his film and basically repeat the prom- promise. That happened three times. Uh, and after Hotel Transylvania 3, which I did find to be the best one, 
purely because he actually wrote on that film so was able to it was able to have a bit of his style of humor rather than only in the animation but after that one he was he had enough of that and has and stopped doing the hotel transylvania as he had no involvement in the fourth one but since then he's been able to do more of his stuff he, he got his final season of samurai jack done and mm. you know while he was busy primal. at sony and couldn't direct it as much as he would have otherwise he was still creatively supervising every step in the way and as you mentioned primal which is basically a show that happened that show happened because they basically said okay we trust you completely we're we're giving you the budget uh, make a great show for us you know they completely trusted him the adult swim people did he was working with mike laszlo who is an executive that gandhi's known for a long time so that show which doesn't have a single word of dialogue for those of you who haven't seen it it's about a caveman and a dinosaur trying to fend for themselves and it lives up to its title primal a very uh, powerful uh, emotionally potent stuff going on screen is all i'll say and while i don't know this will be that because you know it's a major animated film and it's an r-rated comedy uh, i do think it's it's not going to fall into the trap we usually get with r-rated animated american comedies it's not going to be you know of the sausage party variety it's not going to be over relying on swear words or vulgarity to get people's attention i do think it'll be intelligent and clever enough in what it's doing we don't know much about it we don't even know if it's coming out this year but i'm going to stay at a three yeah i think that that is that's fair i mean just on him alone all right last one is called wildwood and we don't know if this will actually come out this year uh, but uh, but it's from Laika, and it's got Carrie Mulligan, Aquafina, Jermaine Clement, director Travis Knight, uh, who did um, who did Bumblebee, and um, all of a sudden my mind has gone blank. Uh, the other one from Laika that I love, um, Kubo. Kubo, yeah, Kubo and the Two Strings. I love that movie, um, and it's uh, this is the Adventures of Prue McKeel as she sets off to the forest outside Portland to find her kidnapped brother. And I think this is based on a book. Pretty sure. Um, you know, I wasn't actually a big fan of their, um, of their last one. Um, Missing the, um, Link. Yeah, I didn't love it. I was one of the few. Most people seem to really enjoy it, but didn't really like the character designs and I didn't really love the story and humor didn't really work i just didn't love it and a lot most other people seem to have really enjoyed it uh but um uh but i mean i always look forward to seeing what Leica is um putting out i've uh i mean I, they've had i absolutely love Coraline. i love paranorman um kubo i really i really enjoy uh, i even like box trolls uh, i just didn't love missing link but um what do you think it's funny you say you feel that a lot of our people like Missing Link. That's not the impression I got at all. I, I very much got the impression that a lot of people were left, you know, and pretty cold by it. Certainly it left no cultural footprint whatsoever, whereas the yeah. other four films have. Uh, but but yeah, Like has, has done a great job at doing stop motion animation as enhanced by cg animation like th there's lots of cg animation in, in their films make no mistake that it could not be made without computers sure. but they benefit so much from it you know the alternate world in Caroline, the 3d printing on their puppets 
all those different monsters and landscapes and kubos there's such great sights and it's always visually off kilter in a way that doesn't feel mainstream so it's not a surprise that uh if it wasn't for the fact that the ceo of nike has funded the company they would not be making films because their films haven't really been profitable yeah yeah it's it's a it's an example of nepotism benefit benefiting us all (laughs) (laughs) that it is uh as for this film again we don't know a thing about it and other than kubo and the two strings their films had a trajectory where Caroline I thought was fantastic, Paranorman was great, Box Trolls was, you know, good, I guess. Kubo and the Two Strings shot back up to Caroline territory, but then Missing Link was, you know, kind of weak. So I- I'm a little more uncertain to a like a film until they start, you know, releasing details that get me excited again. But certainly the fact that it is a like a film is enough to be intrigued about. But as you noted, we know so little about this. We don't even know if it's coming out this year. It may very well not. We can't seem to find much new info about it. It's just, mm-hmm. it's a question mark. I guess but, I give it a three. Yeah, that's the same with me. I also give it a three. Uh, but uh, but there we go. We did it. We talked about all the perspective films coming out, hopefully coming out. 2023 animation. I'm sure there'll be others that will missed others that's uh anime and indie and things like that so let us know in the comments section if you are excited for something we didn't talk about or uh, what you think about the ones we did talk about we would love to hear your thoughts in the comments section or on twitter and uh, mike how can people follow you on social media or things like that uh, well before before i say that uh how about something interesting do, do you and me want to say what our top five most anticipated ones would be Mm. um let me think how about top three so top three yeah top three is fine so i would probably say my top three probably um probably yeah i would say i can go first i have mine if you like oh okay um yeah you go first yeah so uh this isn't a ranked order this is just in the order we covered them my top three would be uh chicken run dawn of the nugget that punny title is exactly what armin would do farmageddon all over again <laughs> but yeah chicken run two uh then uh the Ernest and celestine sequel a trip to jibber jibberita and then of course uh spider-man across the spider-verse i'd probably put super mario brothers at four just for the curious uh but yeah that's it for now um so yeah for me it would be suzume chicken run and spider-verse would be my most excited and then probably wish just because i'm always going to look forward to a disney musical is always going to be intriguing so hopefully it will be good but uh but yeah let us know what your top three if you're listening what your top three would be and uh if you get all because it's a long episode so if you get all the way through it put in your comment put in hashtag mike and rachel love animation so then we'll know that you got to the very <laughs> got to the very end. So put that in. That'll be fun. And uh, but yeah, so Mike, where can people find you if they want to follow you on social? Uh well, uh on Twitter. YouTube, uh YouTube Cartoon Karma, same on Facebook, on Twitter, Ash Toon Karma. Uh and yeah, that's about it. That's where Great. that's where you can find this ghost. <laughs> Great. And you can find me at Rachel's Reviews, all of our social media, iTunes, YouTube, and on Rotten Tomatoes, and on Facebook. My Facebook is back, which is so exciting because it was disabled for uh two months. So you can follow me on Facebook again. 
and, and also over at the homeworkies podcast i'm just all over the place so check that out and uh please like this video please subscribe to the channel if you're listening on itunes please leave your ratings and reviews that really helps us a lot and it helps people to find us so please do that we also have patron group which is the best way to support us and i'm really it's a lot of fun and then we have the merch store where you can get hashtag animation junkie shirts and other things at the merch store so check that out and thanks so much mike this was so much fun i really appreciate it and uh, we'll look forward to 2023 animation <laughs> bye everyone <laughs>